Hello and welcome to the Top Story, a podcast that brings you the headlines of the day with their helpful correspondents from around the world. I'm Meng Zhang, coming up in this edition. Chinese President Xi Jinping is in Chengdu for the opening ceremony of the World University Games. The UN has demanded that the people detaining Niger's president release him immediately. And Russian President Vladimir Putin has said the country will continue exporting grain, including free supplies, to Africa, despite what he called the illegal sanctions imposed by the West. We start off in Asia. Chinese President Xi Jinping is in Chengdu for the opening ceremony of the World University Games. Meanwhile, leaders from Mauritania, Burundi, Indonesia, and more have also come to the city for the occasion. Around 10,000 athletes and officials from more than 170 countries and regions are taking part in the event. Organizers say most of the games venues are using existing infrastructure upgraded with low-carbon technology. All vehicles serving the event are powered by new energy. Chengdu in southwest China is the third city on the Chinese mainland to host a biannual summer universiade after Beijing and Shenzhen. The games will last until August the 8th. For more insights, Wang Mengjie spoke to acting president Liu Zhede of the International University Sports Federation. What are your expectations for the event? I expect wonderful competitions, beautiful ambiance, nice people, very helpful volunteers. So just a great event, not only for the city of Chengdu, but for the People's Republic of China, for Fizhou, and for the entire world. What is the legacy of these games? The citizens say, could say, "Ah,、oh, they come for ten days, compete, and they go back home." What remains for us? Here it remains a lot of excellent facilities, state of the art. They can be used for the universities. The dormitories can be. Be used for students. The sport facilities can be used for the citizens. So this is a really a big legacy behind, and that's why I personally and all our people, Fizhou family and athletes, look really forward to these games, which will be a great success. And speaking about the university, we know this is kind of like a celebration, especially for the younger generations. So how do you think this will benefit the student athletes from this kind of events? Well, I believe the younger athletes, the less experienced athletes, they can learn. They Can learn from the more experienced athletes. They have nothing to lose. They just can win. And the very experienced one, everybody expects a medal from the good ones. And if they fail, it's more difficult for them. If a newcomer who is not yet so popular suddenly he wins a medal, it's a unique experience for him. On the other hand, the very experienced athletes sometimes they believe, "Ah,、oh, I'm the best. I will medal anyway because I did it in the past." Maybe they are not that concentrated anymore. And the younger athletes. The first experience, maybe they are a bit nervous, but they focus completely on their heat or their final or their semi-final. They are very much focused on, and this,、uh, I believe, they can learn from each other. Chinese young athletes. What do you think about them? The young Chinese athletes are very much focused on studies and on sport, but they are very open. They are very open to discuss with other students. Maybe not with old guys like me, but、uh, if I see students, I always try to talk to them because I would like to learn what they are thinking about. What is their impression from the World University Games? What is their impression about Fizhou? Sometimes they have very good ideas to talk to us, and we can reflect on that and maybe also improve our program. That was acting president Liang's editor of the International University Sports Federation talking about his expectations for the World University Games in Chengdu. A fighter jet flown by China's Volunteer Army in the Korean War is showing at the PLA Air Force event in Changchun, Jilin Province. The opening day marked 70 years since the signing of the Armistice Agreement on the Korean Peninsula. 
Zhao Yinfei reports. The MiG-15 is one of the fighter jets operated by the Chinese People's Volunteer Army during the war to resist U.S. aggression and aid Korea. Chinese soldier Wang Hai flew the MiG-15 and shot down or damaged a record nine enemy aircraft. The brigade that Wang Hai led is now named after him. Colonel Zhang Hong, who now serves in the Wang Hai Brigade, says the fighting conditions back then were difficult. The fighters learned everything from scratch. Now we have inherited their spirit of studying and working hard. During the fierce battles to push back U.S.-led international forces, Wang Hai's team was commended for downing 29 aircraft flown by Allied forces. Colonel Zhang says soldiers today are still encouraged by stories of the wartime heroes. The Wang Hai Brigade represents a spirit. It represents the entire group of pilots. As long as he's there, the soul and backbone of the entire army are there. History must not be forgotten. The PLA Air Force is hosting an open day event to mark the 70th anniversary of the ceasefire agreement. On show at the Air Force Open Day are China's most advanced military aircraft. Experts tell me that the PLA is still showing the wisdom and courage from 70 years ago. We can find confidence from the air battles of the war to resist U.S. aggression and aid Korea. Back then, the gap between us and our enemy was very big. But now, our equipment has been greatly improved and our training has been greatly improved. So we must believe that we can proceed from one victory to another. That was Zhao Yunfei reporting. Typhoon Doksuri has made landfall in Fujian province, bringing powerful winds and heavy rain. The typhoon landed in Jinjiang, bringing gales of up to 180 kilometers per hour near its center. Doksuri is expected to move northwestward, gradually weakening as it goes. China earlier raised its emergency response to the highest level as Doksuri strengthened from severe to a super typhoon. The National Meteorological Center has renewed a red alert as the fifth typhoon of this year is expected to bring gales and heavy rain to the eastern and southern parts of the country. Wu Bin has more from Xiamen. Typhoon Doksuri probably will be the strongest typhoon that hit the province of Fujian in the past years. The people in here have been following the route and in, uh, very closely in the past days because the intensity and the route of Typhoon Doksuri is very similar to a super typhoon Moranti in 2016. The typhoon Moranti killed more than two dozens of people that year and overturned more than 600,000 trees in the city. You can imagine how serious uh, Typhoon Moranti and also this year the dark series is expected to be the same level as Typhoon Moranti. People here are taking this very seriously and many people have strengthened their doors, their windows and stored food and water in advance in case any kind of emergency happens. That was Wu Bin reporting. Over to Africa. The UN has demanded that the people detaining Niger's president release him immediately. The spokesperson for the UN Secretary-General has expressed concern for the disruption of the African country's democratic governance. Stephen Judurik says the recent political crisis has put humanitarian operations on hold in Niger. Judurik adds that more than 370,000 people are displaced within Niger. Despite a relatively successful agricultural season last year, 2.5 million people are acutely food insecure. Deji Badamusi has more details. 
The situation is not looking good for President uh, Bazoum. His army chief has now pledged allegiance to the coup plotters, saying he wants to avoid confrontation and bloodbath. Many had expected the army to put up a fight against the coup plotters, but that obviously failed to happen. In the capital Niami, there were demonstrations for and against the coup, leading to skirmishes in some places. This is despite a curfew declared by the coup plotters. The situation in the country remains fluid at the moment. President Bazoum earlier Thursday put a post on social media platform that he would protect Niger's had won a democratic gains now. His foreign minister also called the coup unacceptable and that Bazoum still remains the legitimate president of uh, Niger. Now there's been global condemnation of the coup with calls uh, for the immediate release of the president who is still being held at the presidential palace in Niamey. Now the UN Office for the Coordination of Humanitarian Affairs says it has put its operations in the country on hold as a result of the coup. Regional Body, Economic Community of West African States ECOWAS is currently leading mediation efforts to resolve the crisis. The president of Benin, Patrice Talon, has been sent to Niamey as the special envoy of ECOWAS to try and broker peace. Everyone is waiting to see how that effort shapes out. But ECOWAS has made it clear that it would not accept the coup and that it will do everything necessary to restore democratic governance in Niger. There was Deji Badmosi reporting. In Europe, Russian President Vladimir Putin has said his country will continue exporting grain, including free supplies to Africa, despite what he called the illegal sanctions imposed by the West. Putin made the remarks at a Russia-Africa summit in St. Petersburg. He says Russia is prepared to supply up to 50,000 tons of grain to African countries, such as Burkina Faso, Zimbabwe and Mali. The summit follows Russia's withdrawal from a deal that allowed Black Sea exports, vital to many African countries. Putin says that Russia made the decision to withdraw from the deal because none of the terms of the deal concerning Russian exports of grain and fertilizers to world markets were fulfilled. He says Russia makes a significant contribution to global food security as its share in the world wheat market is 20%, while Ukraine's is 5%. Isabel Nakira has more. After pulling out of the Black Sea Grain Initiative, the Kremlin says it will make every effort to prevent a food crisis. In the coming months, at least 50,000 tons of free Russian grain will be sent to six African countries. Russia accused Western countries of using the grain deal for their selfish interests. Moscow says a small amount of grain exported from Ukraine as part of the agreement went to Africa's poorest nations. The United Nations says 57% was shipped to developing countries. At the summit, some African leaders asked Russia to reconsider the grain deal. The Russian leader also promised to help Africa build nuclear energy plants as the demand for nuclear energy grows. He said Moscow will also supply and upgrade military equipment to Africa. President Putin said Russia will grow the education sector in Africa by setting up several universities. Several agreements are expected to be signed at the end of the two-day summit. That was Isabel Nakiro reporting. As record-breaking heat waves become more frequent in Europe, cities across the continent are suffering more than rural areas. It's a dangerous consequence scientists call an urban heat island, and it's warming many urban areas at a record-breaking pace. Pablo Gutierrez reports. Cities in Europe are running a fever. The asphalt, road traffic, buildings and the lack of canopies hold the heat in, making urban areas several degrees hotter than the countryside, which scientists say can negatively impact human health. People who have such diseases, heart problems, they can suffer more and it is an especially high stress 
for them and they get into hospital and eventually they might even die. Dr. Rita Pongras is a researcher who has tracked the impact of the heat island effect for the last two decades. When it appears, it can be as much as four, five, six degrees more in the city center than in the surroundings. Scientists say global warming has exacerbated the problem and warn that heat waves could soon have more devastating effects on city dwellers. To explain how much hotter it gets due to the heat island effect, we are using thermal vision. It shows the heat all around me but also the coldness of this ice cream cone. Currently, the air temperature is 29 degrees Celsius, but when we measure the ground temperature, it is 45 degrees Celsius. This huge difference is making cities sweltering. Dense, low-income neighborhoods with reduced vegetation cover tend to be much hotter, according to researchers who say this disproportionately affects the most vulnerable. In this shelter, we can stay out of the heat and be safe. Otto Varga is one of the many low-income residents in Budapest who cooled down at Red Cross shelters across the city. When temperatures exceed 27 degrees Celsius, authorities issue the highest heat alert. At that moment, we open all Red Cross institutions to help everyone in need. There are ways to beat the heat. Planting trees, greening streets and roofs and building fountains can help bring down temperatures. Researchers say European cities must adapt fast to the scorching new reality. That was Pablo Gutierrez reporting. Before we go, here's a recap of today's top stories. Chinese President Xi Jinping is in Chengdu for the opening ceremony of the World University Games. The UN has demanded that the people detaining Niger's president release him immediately. And Russian President Vladimir Putin has said the country will continue exporting grain, including free supplies to Africa, despite what he calls the illegal sanctions imposed by the West. That concludes this edition of The Top Story, the podcast that brings you world headlines every weekday. For more news in politics, business, sports and culture, you can subscribe to The Beijing Hour, a one-hour news magazine program. We welcome and appreciate all ratings and reviews. I'm Wang Zihang. Thank you for listening.